Hello, this is How to PhD, episode number 22. PhDs are incredibly challenging. This week, we're going to be tackling exactly why they're hard and importantly, how you can shift your mindset to embrace the challenge and learn that it being difficult isn't a reflection on how well you're doing. Hello and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in again. My name is Aaron and I'm joined by my co-host Julia who came up with this week's episode idea by a tweet she saw, right? Hello everyone. Yeah, exactly. So um, this week I saw someone um, posting, um, I would like to be doing a PhD, but I've been seeing so many negative comments um, on Twitter and I'm wondering now whether I should be really mm. be doing it and um, it just really made me think why is it that so many PhD students and I include myself in it um, yeah. I found the PhD incredibly um, challenging um, but I really wanted to kind of think more about why that is and kind of unpack that and then um, brainstorm like what what we can do about that really and what helped me what helped us um, and those situations hopefully we can spread some positivity <laughs> yes that's um, right in this episode yeah we had this idea that you know certainly it's good to sort of you know vent and, and relieve frustrations as, as many PhD candidates do on Twitter and that's that's absolutely fine but what we really wanted to emphasize is that uh, you know, the fact that a PhD is challenging or you, that you have difficulties in the PhD doesn't mean that it's going badly, right? Mm. It's actually quite the opposite. And, uh, you know, we, and, and we, of course, you know, have a lot of practical tips in this episode on how you can manage specifically those challenges of a PhD. So we, we had a sit down and we kind of sat down this week and discussed, okay, you know, based on our experience, what were the kind of five key challenges that we sort of that we sort of picked up on during our PhDs, uh, and crucially, what we did about them. And so, starting with the first one, which we'll get straight into it with the show, is this one that we realised is this kind of challenge, which is unique to the PhD, of working on something that's really, really specific. So let's talk about this first challenge that we identified, which is really this challenge of having to work on something that's really specific. And I guess, Julia, sort of by design, the PhD kind of gives you that feeling of being more isolated. Yeah, and I think we see that in a lot of tweets as well, right? That people feel alone, um, that they're struggling, um, they're, yeah, feel not reassured whether they're doing the right things or not. And I think um, I, I thought about like where this is coming from and... I think in a lot of PhD students come from their masters or bachelors, like including myself, and then where you have all take the same exams, you have the same modules, mm. um, so you can help each other much easier because you are all studying the kind of same content, so you can help each other with comparing your notes and um, talking through the different lectures, like, did you understand the same way? Can I ask you something about what we talked in the last lecture? And um, you can set up study groups. Um, and suddenly in your PhD, you don't have all that because yeah. everybody is doing their own thing. Everybody's doing a slightly different research field, different research question, different methods. And so it's really hard to um, to get help from others or it might feel that way at least exactly. to you. Yeah, you kind of, yeah, as you say, you're, you're losing a lot of the support groups. And um, 
And I think a lot of that is also linked to the fact that, you know, a degree is, is a wide range of things in a short time, whereas a PhD is, is a very narrow range of things in a very long space of time. And that can feel, again, as you say, because you're on a unique topic, um, you might feel, and this is, this, and we're going to talk about why this is not the case, but you might feel that actually you're kind of on your own on mm. this thing. Um, and so in many ways, that's, you know, by design with the PhD, it's it's a research topic where you're by definition doing something that's unique yeah. and a contribution to knowledge. And so maybe just understanding why you feel the way that you feel like and so just understanding, oh, yeah, I don't have it's, it's something different than in my master's or bachelor's. You're not suddenly doing worse than you did before. And I think the fact that you are doing a PhD shows that you probably were quite successful with um, how the bachelor or master is designed like. And this is just a new challenge. Um, so don't worry you're not doing worse than you did before it's just different um, exactly and so we have some practical tips as well that can go along with this and i think one of the most important things that we did was for example presenting the work right getting it out there and that doesn't have to be formally at conferences and things but that can be at your university there might be research exchange groups or uh, informal cafes where people can present their work don't be afraid to get involved with those things mm. and, and actually just share your work um, you can have working groups within your department right and and if there isn't one you don't be afraid to set it up as well send an email around to your supervisors and your colleagues and say look you know I, if if anyone has about 10 to 15 minutes I'm just going to go through a rundown of my PhD and, and I'd like to get some feedback on it you know yeah exactly so I think presentation sometimes sounds like it's a one-way thing yeah. where you present and that's it but i think the the things that you should make use of is really um getting feedback from others and um, using discussions after your presentation maybe to um, get help from others and put yourself out there with your questions do you think this makes sense or that makes sense to you do you have other ideas what are your thoughts on that that is the really the stuff that can help you and just acknowledging why you're all doing um different things in your phd there will still be a lot of um, the same challenges um, um, like writing your chapters and um, maybe someone with a different research topic might still use the same method so you can support each other with that and sometimes it doesn't even have I think to be a presentation but um, just maybe a catch-up like in the morning exactly. so for I think a lot of people have um, struggled with getting out of bed sometimes because they're worried oh what I have to do today is difficult or I don't know what to work on today and for me just having a catch-up in the morning it just has to be with one person or can be with five people and um, to just talk about what are you struggling with at the moment what are you going to do today um, and to encourage each other and um, just in the morning or just to say hi have a tea together that can change your day right exactly and, um, and I think the, the final point we want to emphasize and, and just building on what you said there is that you know while it may be that your topic is unique to you which is is probably true um, the things that you do the methods and and the way you work are not and everyone who's doing a PhD will be encountering the same challenges so you're really not on your own and so do reach out to people informally or formally um, get your work out there get the questions get those conversations going uh, and hopefully that will kind of broaden your horizons and make you realize that really you're not isolated and there is a quite a big support network around you so building on this idea of kind of recognizing the amazing work that you're doing uh, is the next challenge which we're going to talk about which is around the different measures of success So let's talk about measures of success. So 
at university level or kind of when you're in your degree level, usually, right, you have exam grades to tell you how well you're doing, right? You might have this every couple of months or at the end of the year and, and you get a first or a grade A and, and that's kind of your measure of success. Now you kind of, I guess with the PhD, it's really you're getting feedback without grades as such, right? You're getting a lot of comments on your work. You get a lot of uh, feedback from different people, whether that might be supervisors or peer reviewers. Uh, and really that's something quite fundamentally difficult to sort of appreciate, right, Julia? Yeah, I, th I think um, from a very young age, really, in, in school or in primary school, we learn that, yeah, we measure our success in grades. And um, I think for me that, yeah, a grade is always scary. So I think people are often worried about their grades. Um, but in a way, um, they also give you a little bit of reassurance. Yeah, as you said, like how well you're doing. And if you suddenly don't have that anymore, you don't know where you're standing. Um, mm. And especially over such long time, PhD is often three, four or five years. Um, and that can be scary. I, I know there are other schools, for example, a friend of mine, uh, she went to a school where you don't get grades. And I could never get my head around that. I thought, how do you, how are students then motivated to their work and how do you know where they're standing? Um, but they get um, qualitative feedback in that way from yeah. a young age. And I think it really changes how you think about your work. Um, but again, if you are, um, so one one way why you are, uh, one reason why your PhD might feel difficult to use is for that reason that you, um, you, you're missing kind of um, exactly. the grading system. Um, yeah. Um, and so just again, just be aware of that, embrace that, and um, that you're not getting grades doesn't mean that you're not doing <laughs> that you're not doing e well. Exactly, and I think it's really the the key tip here around this is is really you have to change what success means. Mm. It's it's not about grades anymore, but instead it's about these these kind of milestones and steps that you take along the way in your PhD journey. You know, for example, you've sent in your ethics or you did your minor revisions for a journal paper or you were submitted a journal paper, right? Or you completed a paragraph in a chapter or you did a study. These are huge sort of milestones in the in the whole process. They don't have grades attributed to them. They're, they're just contributions to your kind of overall mm. journey. And yet they are so important. So I mm. think it's really, and we sent a tweet out about this uh, a few, I think it was last week, but really it's about, you know, appreciating all of the small steps celebrating that you take. Them, like you would celebrate yeah. a great celebrate when you have like achieved something that you were setting yourself to achieve. Um, exactly. So when you make your research plan or proposal, maybe you can put in these milestones. Where will you, at which points will you cele celebrate and, and really do that um, to get that kind of, yeah, sense of achievement and success. Yeah. Re recognize all of those little things that you might not clearly see as a big success but recognize them as definitely as big successes and, and huge moments in your PhD uh, and I think that those those two kind of key challenges begin to be addressed really mm. when you begin to appreciate all those little steps that you take because because I think yeah in the end otherwise you wait for three years or whenever your um, PhD is finished for your big viva um, thinking oh I have to wait until then until I know whether I've been successful or not. And I mean, in the UK, there is no grading system um, as well for the PhDs, just pass or fail, um, basically. Whereas in other countries, I know in Germany, there are grades then again, yeah. <laughs> very old school. But um, yeah, you can't wait for that. Otherwise, you will you, you have to feel a sense of um, success during those years. Otherwise, exactly. you will feel so frustrated. Exactly. Yes. 
Now, closely, very closely linked is our next point, which is around, you know, we've been talking a lot about this kind of recognizing the small steps on the journey and you'll be taking thousands of steps on your PhD journey. Uh, and closely linked to that, to this third challenge is this challenge of endurance. So let's talk about the PhD challenge of endurance, right? And the, I guess, you know, for many PhD candidates, uh, it's kind of a minimum of two, three years, right? It's 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 a document that's created over many years, right? And, and compared to, say, the more kind of modular approaches of a kind of degree where it's split into uh, perhaps three terms and you have different modules within those terms, really in the PhD, you're kind of given this sort of feeling that everything is building towards this one thing you know as we said in the previous challenge around this kind of viva this this bit where you get the mark on your viva that's what it's all about right and mm. that's what everybody tells you from day one um and that's quite difficult because julie i guess um you know phds are by design very unpredictable yeah and I th I th you know that i'm a person who really likes blank pages <laughs> so i like starting something new or i like liked in my masters one if one module is completed and finished and i can just get rid i often actually threw away my notes <laughs> and when i finished um, a module and like then to start a new blank page and in a phd you don't get that you no. unfortunately you should please never throw away any notes like during your PhD, right? Because you might still need them because it's this like um, thing that will haunt you for three years or, or more. Um, so I think yeah, it's, it's a completely different challenge, um, um, which will be, again, really, really helpful, I think, in the future where, again, you might be working on projects that are more long term. And um, so it, it's really this persistence that you get from your PhD is a valuable skill. And I think one of my friends who also did a PhD, um, her supervisor said to her, you don't get a PhD on like reinventing the world. You get it for just like per persisting. And yes, um, that's a really good quote actually. <laughs> and yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a really long journey and without really sort of clear markers along the way as to where you are um, to try and kind of gauge how you're, how you're doing and, and your sense of achievement. And so in a way it's kind of pushing forwards, but without really clearly knowing kind of where you're going to end up and, and how well you're doing, which is very, very difficult and can be mm -hmm. demotivating. So tips for students and things that helped us, I think number one is to make a thesis plan. Now we talked about this in a episode earlier, right, Julian? We'll have a resource and a link in the show notes, but essentially this is something that's gonna tell you exactly where you are in the process. Yeah, so again, it's just helping you again to get um, some reassurance that you're doing okay, that you have a plan for the three years and um, that you know which chapters you're gonna write um, maybe when you're gonna write them and we'll talk about that a bit more later on um, but I think yeah again just keeping maybe a diary as well to where you reflect on when things went wrong why they went wrong mm. and seeing those things that happen along the way which will happen um, as a, a chance to learn and improve um, and I think it's a kind of expected that things will go wrong and, and it's not about that it's about what you do with that and um, in future job interviews I think these are the things you can then pick up on they will ask maybe what was the most challenging thing in your PhD and then you have some great examples um, exactly that and you can... I think that's that's a really important point that except that things will go wrong okay that's that is normal for things to go wrong if you see someone doing a phd and things are not going wrong that's that's just not 
That's just not true. Every PhD will have some challenge and will have some bit where it's it's not gone exactly how mm. to plan. And that could happen multiple times. Yeah, I was going to say, if wrong is maybe not the right word. Maybe um, things just have to yes. change due to certain circumstances or not because how unexpected things. Yeah, yeah, I think unexpected might be the better term, actually. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the whole thing is really, you know, you're doing something brand new. You're doing something cutting edge. So things are going to be not playing out in the exact way that you plan them to and that's fine and it's really about learning how to deal with these challenges as you say Julia these are all skills that are going to be so valuable as you move forwards from the PhD into a, into a career academic or industry these are really valuable skills um, and I think again a, a key thing that helped us in terms of managing this kind of enduring challenge is is to write continuously right and mm. and to just take any chance you can as early as you can to just update the thesis start writing things down it doesn't need to be in a formal formal document uh, but it can be just some ideas and perhaps a paragraph here and there mm -hmm. and you'll be surprised just how much that helps kind of break up and and remind you how well you're doing right and, yeah. and not saving the entire thing for this big thesis write-up at the end and i think linked to that and linked to this whole idea and this metaphor of a journey is really around taking breaks and I think this is so important and this is where you know the, the thesis plan that, that Julia mentioned can be really valuable because with good planning you can almost with 100% guarantee give yourself the time to be able to sort of calm down and relax throughout your PhD and I think this is this is so important right mm, yeah exactly and I think that really nicely links to our next point um, with which is all around um, time management which is a huge challenge in everyone's PhD so let's talk about the challenge of daily time management now in degrees, again, we're going back to sort of this undergraduate comparison, but in degrees, you typically have a set timetable, right? I mean, the university usually tells you kind of where you need to go. Um, and it pretty much, you know, you have a kind of clear schedule laid out for you. Uh, whereas with the PhD, it's now pretty much for the large part up to you how you're going to plan your time. And uh, this can be pretty difficult for motivation. Yes, I think that's a huge challenge. As you said, we and, and when we're students, we know which times we will have to work hard and when we can relax a little bit. Um, yeah. But in the PhD, everybody does it differently. Some people take very little time off, say, some take more time off and it's really up to you. And um, you have to have the courage to, to say, no, it's fine for me to take these two weeks completely off and not do anything. And um, on the weekends as well, we talked about that before, I think... Um, um, just generally, it's it's very hard um, to, to do that by yourself. Um, but I think um, because for me, because of my bachelor, when I was doing music, it was kind of a similar situation. Um, we did have like, um, as, as you usually have at university times where we didn't have lectures and stuff, but still with an instrument, you still have to keep practicing. And so I had to force myself to learn my time management and to tell myself um, when I'm allowed to take breaks from um, rehearsing and um, practicing my instrument quite early onwards so I think mm -hmm. I already um yeah had a bit of practice in that but still um I remember my first year when um, yeah you were going to a conference um, abroad and I had would have had the opportunity to come with but I didn't have the courage to tell myself like it's fine for me to take that time off yeah well, th this is it's, something I this is something. <laughs> I might have mentioned that already because it's one of my big PhD regrets right. <laughs> that didn't come along but yeah it's it's hard um 
But yeah, be confident. It's okay to take time off. And I think it's really important and productive. Um, um, I think many people might have had this experience that you don't work for a weekend and, and after that you feel refreshed, you have new ideas that come along. So please, yeah, do that. Exactly, yeah. And and, and not feeling guilty about that. Mm. Um, so let's talk about some things that students can do to try and balance their time and, and get these breaks that they, they mm. so 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 deserve yeah. right and uh, one very common technique is to use what's called a gantt chart right mm. and i think the key thing with a gantt chart which is essentially we'll have a um, we'll have a example of this up in the show notes at howtophd.show uh, but the key thing and, and the kind of mindset to approach this with is that not seeing it as kind of something that has to happen this way like you've planned it uh, but really see it as kind of look this is my best shot at trying to plan the future um but accept that it might not happen exactly how you plan it and it's okay to update it mm. and to learn from it and to really see it as a learning opportunity right yeah so again i saw some tweets um, discussing whether gantt charts are actually helpful or not and i saw some phd students saying that it just stresses them out even more if they make a plan and then they look back onto it and see that they're not on schedule but i think again as you said it's important i would still do it um and um once you have made a timeline um i would discuss it with your supervisors and with a colleague um who have experience in some of your methods and i think as you said it's just an indicator um i think if you're for example planning in if you're doing an interview study and planning in only like let's say a week for recruitment your supervisor might probably tell you this is not enough right because it can take like three months six months depending on your your project how hardest to recruiting so it's just giving you i think um yeah the 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 as predictable as it is um you you can make a plan yeah. and then reflecting on later on what happened actually to change it and adapt it that's absolutely i think fine, that's the that's the really important still, part is to yeah to to look at your plan regularly and kind of reflect off uh, re reflect mm. on things that might not have gone exactly how you planned and as you say julia kind of ask yourself why didn't it go to plan and what could be done differently mm. next time and i think also to emphasize this point around gantt charts is to you know don't be afraid to do them do some kind of hourly ones for you to plan out your day specifically you know yeah. it, of course it depends on your style but i think and again we had another tweet on this but you know breaking down tasks into smaller more specific things can be incredibly helpful for motivation right mm -hmm. so for example you know if you write in your to-do list um write chapter three that that's not that's not great because that that's sounds like a massive job right but mm. if you break that down into smaller things so for example point one complete the argument around the use of eye tracking mm. and point two justify yeah. why i use this particular thing that's much better and those are things that you'll be able to tick off after say an hour two hours uh, versus just saying complete a chapter which realistically you might not complete for a couple of weeks and so that will help your motivation hugely and i think having that time taking that time to then break it down and also reflect on it is, is really really important um, and what you said Julia I think about sharing the plan uh, and creating that kind of shared ownership of the plan I think is really such a valuable tip yeah especially if you put in your holidays on the um, Gantt charts and I think a lot of PhD students might not do that because they're worried um, 
their supervisor see you plan in holiday time, right? But I think that's really important. And there you can also yeah. discuss with your supervising whether um, the amount of holiday, holiday that you plan in is reasonable or not. And um, so everybody is then on the same page. Um, you might then also, your supervisor might tell you, oh, I'm actually away in this month. So um, maybe that's then a good yeah. time where you can also take time worker. So yeah, plan it in. And um, just one more thing I wanted to mention is that for me, it also helps that to time myself during certain tasks. So for example, during my systematic review, when I had to screen a lot of articles, I was kind of... Um, I'm timing myself on how long it takes for me to screen 50 papers or something um, to then get a better feeling of like how much time do mm, certain yeah. tasks cost me or, or a journal paper how quickly can I write that so that for the future I know and um, this is how much time I need for um, a journal or for a systematic review and I think uh, so by reflecting and timing yourself you will just get a better time management throughout your PhD. Yes, exactly that. Now, in this challenge, we mentioned a few times around working with your supervisor, and that is the final challenge or, yeah, PhD challenge that you'll have to face is learning to work with your supervisor, which we're going to talk about next. So let's talk about one of the final challenges that we identified, uh, which is around working with your supervisor. Now, this can be a huge challenge to essentially what you're doing is is learning a new individual's way of working right and usually during your degree or kind of your undergraduate you don't typically have such a close working relationship with your teachers or professors right they're kind of teaching at you and you kind of do your thing and you might go and see them for questions but it's not a working relationship um, whereas with the PhD you're very much thrown quite quickly into having to work yourself into their style of leadership. So a few tips that we learned along the way that, that can help you with this. And this uh, first tip is something, Julia, you shared with me, which I thought was a really fantastic idea um, around kind of sharing how each of you work, right? Yeah, my supervisor actually sent me um, a great like resource, which we will put on our show notes. Yes, yep. um, and I think it's really good. You don't have to do it in that formal way. So it's basically just a table with different um, columns about how you work <laughs> so it's a user manual basically um, for yourself um, which you can share with your supervisors and um, points that are um, mentioned there are, for example conditions I like to work in right so do you maybe prefer to be in a quiet room or do you quite like it if um, there are many people um, like chatting um, like at which times and hours do you like to work are you more mm. the morning person or should people leave you alone in the morning and talk to you um, in, in the evening um, what's the best way to communicate with you do you prefer really face-to-face -face meetings or um, video conferences or do you really just prefer emails um, and um, yeah which way do you like to receive feedback again straight to your face uh, is that better for you if you directly um, have feedback um, um, directly or do you prefer maybe to get feedback received by email so you can think about it and process this before you have to send a reaction um, which things do you need to work which things do you struggle with um, um, for example I think if you um, struggle 
with um, being alone all the time, then your supervisor can maybe help you um, that you um, can meet with colleagues or yeah. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, you, you can take these questions, which will be mm-hmm. in this kind of user manual document, yeah. which is a fantastic name for it. Uh, and you can take these questions, answer them and take that to your supervisor and say, look, you know, I, I just decided, you know, it might be a good idea that, that we kind of share this. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's my stuff. Uh, would you mind kind of also sharing how you like to work and yeah. answering these questions? And if you do that in your supervisor meeting quite early on or you know, it's never too late, right? Um, you can begin to understand that other person on a much exactly, de- yeah. and you can kind of yeah b- bring that to the light. That, yeah, bring yeah. be open about it, which and is I think so that good. will avoid a lot of conflicts, but also and also misunderstandings. Or if you just um, wonder like, oh, why did he just send this really short email? And why does he never give me positive feedback? Um, I think, yeah, it just helps you to learn how um, your supervisor um, thinks like and works like. And yeah, can just make a lot of things easier, I think. Yeah, it's true. And I think there's many examples in my time where, you know, I read an email uh, from sort of a, a more senior academic mm. and thought, wow, do they not like me yeah. or do they not like my work? And actually, it's just... <laughs> They, it's just the way they wrote maybe and they needed just a I'll lunch a, or something my supervisor she actually wrote and they're like i when i when she's hungry that she can come across a bit moody so now we know okay you know what you go off have your lunch and we talk about that later exactly and, and i think <laughs> well, there's there's a lot around kind of the punctuation that people use now i like to use like exclamation marks and kind of um yeah kind of friendly language in emails mm. and and there are a lot of people who just don't mm. and when you read that it can be kind of jarring and you think, oh, are they, do they not like me? Yeah, and and uh, so it's really, if you learn this stuff um, early on and just make that mm-hmm. process open between yourself and your supervisor, yeah. then I think you avoid a lot of yeah. the stresses that come with that um, and hopefully avoid problems developing along the way. Yeah, one of my PhD supervisors, she's someone who um, puts nice comments on the side like, oh, this is really good or mm. uh, well done on this. My other supervisor just points out the things that are currently not good, needs improvement. So I think if I'd only had him, for example, um, as a supervisor, I, I would feel that I'm lacking sometimes just getting positive comments. So again, if it's one of the things you need to sometimes just hear whether something has improved, if you're doing okay, then you can put that in your manual. Exactly. Yeah. So do you can find that manual or the user manual uh, and a template of it uh, at the resources page on howtophd.show, hopefully by the time this episode comes out. So hopefully this episode has been useful. We've talked about a whole range of different challenges, the challenge of working on something really specific, the fact that you have to redefine what success means, this challenge of PhD endurance and daily time management, and of course, this final one around working with your supervisor. Uh, And hopefully the tips that we've given you to manage these challenges are something that you can take forward and hopefully make you realize that Challenges in the PhD are completely normal uh, and they are all things that are going to help you grow uh, and are a really good sign of the fact that you're doing something unique and interesting. So before we say goodbye this week, we have some exciting news that we are launching a new additional service for anyone who wants more support with their research degree called How to PhD One to One. So myself and Julia have been through nearly seven years of PhD studies between us. Uh, So we're ready to help with a whole range of things from coaching and motivation to dealing with personal PhD challenges, 
presentation preparation and feedback, Viva preparation, thesis and journal feedback, poster design, as well as qualitative and quantitative study design. Whatever your PhD challenges that you have, we are ready to help with a one-to-one -one online session. So if you're interested in booking your How to PhD one-to-one -one with us, just go online to our website at howtophd.show where you can find all the information about it as well as the specific technical skills myself and Julia have uh, and sign up for your first 30 minute trial session for free. So we're really excited to launch this new one-to-one -one service and we really look forward to meeting some of you over there uh, in due course. Um, so let's wrap up the show. So shout out to all the lovely listeners who have supported us over on Buy Me A Coffee uh, and left really quite amazing comments as usual, really amazing. Uh, and if you're able to support the show, then we always hugely grateful and appreciative of the support uh, and if you have the time if you could leave a review on apple Podcasts, that is also a fantastic way of supporting how to phd of course if you know someone who could benefit from our show then please do share it with them uh, and do get in touch at contact at how to phd.show twitter and instagram at how to phd show and huge thanks as always to jobs.ac.uk for continuing to share our show um, and it's really wonderful to share our show with the amazing community that they have over there and all the wonderful PhD resources that they share too. Uh, so next week uh, we just want to give a shout out to Laura over on Buy Me A Coffee who suggested uh, that we look at research proposals. Yes so um, um, I had the experience of writing a very long big um, research proposal recently and hopefully we can give you some practical tips on how to manage them. Yes so again a really important topic uh, so thank you again for listening and for the support have a wonderful week and we will see you all next time. Mm -hmm.